Hi folks, my name is Linda Emmett and welcome to Happiness is an Inside Job. We are the creators of our own reality, we create our own lives. Our mind is our biggest limit and it's our own beliefs, behaviours and habits constantly caught in those cycles that keep us trapped where we are and stand in the way of our own happiness. So throughout this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into some of those beliefs, habits and patterns, where they show up in your lives and what you can do to change them. Hi folks, on this week's podcast, following on from the mini series, we're going to take a look at how unprocessed trauma can show up in our day-to-day lives. We have looked at the effects it can have on, on us as adults with, with poor sleep patterns, sleep disturbances, emotional eating, our poor impulse control that leads to our addictive behaviours. And now we're going to look at it from a different angle and look at other ways that it shows up that we might not even be aware of. And I know certainly even in creating this podcast, I saw parts of myself and how it shows up in my day to day life. So some of the ways it can show up is what's known as emotional delay. Now, this comes from when something happens within your day but the emotion of it doesn't land with you till later that night or long afterwards like uh we might agree to do something you feel it in yourself when you're agreeing to doing it you can feel a little bit of that emotion coming up but it's only later on that we notice in ourselves you might be sitting on the sofa watching tv or whatever and you're starting to feel anxious or angry or you're getting snappy with people much quicker and where this can come from is we've learned from childhood to delay our response it's an unconscious response we've learned to delay it until a safer time so where this can impact us usually is uh we can feel as if we keep breaching our own boundaries and we're saying yes to something and then afterwards we're we're reacting or responding to it or when when something ugly happens within our day, something bad happens, someone gives out to us, disrespects us, roars or shouts at us, and we don't react in the moment. We take it very nonchalant or very passive. And then it's afterwards when we've walked away that uh, we're seeing the rage, we're seeing our, our, our emotional responses. And these delays can be tied into where we learned to disassociate as children, or our hypervigilance, our need for safety overrides our need to respond in the moment. And if you can imagine when we're children, if an adult roars, screams, shouts or abuses us in any way, it's not always safe for the child to respond in the moment. It's not always okay. So they might go off and maybe take it out on their sibling or throw all their toys around the room or or whatever it is, whatever way the child responds. But this is what we learn and this is how, how it shows up. In childhood, when we experience trauma, one of the amazing ne- mechanisms that we have that protects us at the time of the trauma is we have the, the power to disassociate, to effectively leave our bodies and go into our heads. Like, for example, as a child, if there's a screaming match or violence between the parents and the child cannot escape their physical environment, but they can escape their body and how they're feeling and go up into their head and create an imaginary world where they're not dealing in the moment with what's going on. 
they will respond later within their behaviours and you'll see it. You'll see these behaviours show up in children in different ways. In adults, what we've learned from that a lot of the time is how to delay our emotions. So we're not responding in the moment and then afterwards we're feeling bouts of rage, anxiety, upset to something that happened to us within our day. So this is where that comes from. And I know certainly that's something that, that I've been actively working on within myself because it's it's something that um, that I often do. I, I, I don't react in the moment and that has caused me to breach my own boundaries a number of times. Saying yes when I wanted to say no, agreeing to do things that I was uncomfortable with. Um, and then afterwards being angry and internalizing and taking it out on myself. So it's something that I've had to work hard on over the past few years, but this is certainly where it comes from. Another thing or another, yeah, another way that it shows up in, in our days is um, when we find ourselves, we're the kind of person that's always rushing nowhere fast, literally living in a, a, a state of emergency, every single task that you get just becomes a CIA mission. And then when you complete that, you're running to the next thing and the next thing. You're always, always busy and feel like you never have time to relax. You're never in your body, you're never present. Your mind is constantly thinking of the next thing that you must, must, must do. Where this can come from within our childhood is shame. We learn to run away from our emotions so we don't have to, to feel them. And shame is the lowest on the totem pole. And it's one, one of the most difficult emotions for us to manage. So shame makes us, us, us rush away from it, want to move away from it because we literally never learned to, to feel our emotions and be okay with our emotions. So that's one of the reason, reasons that shows up. Another reason it can show up is because we're really fearful of making a wrong step. So we're constantly going, 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 doing to, to not feel that feeling. Running away basically from the possibility of making a mistake because that wasn't okay when we were a child. People were possibly hard on us or how we felt as a child when we made a mistake and we have a fear of that. So we constantly keep moving, keep going, trying to get our value in the things that we're doing as opposed to who we are. And another way that this can show up, it, it can show up within imposter syndrome. That's another one that, that constantly keeps us rushing around fast. And again, comes from these issues within our childhood. And we constantly feel like a fraud. We never, we're always waiting on that tap on the shoulder for someone to say, you need to leave. You don't belong in this arena, this group, this course, this place, this walk. Uh, we're waiting on that to happen to us and that causes us to rush, rush, rush because we're afraid if we stop, we'll get that tap on the shoulder. Um, and it's fascinating when you, when you look into it and when you're working with it, how they show up, as I say, in your adult lives. I know certainly, uh, again, I think I've struggled with most of these, but imposter syndrome, I think when you're running your own business, shows up hugely. But in anything new that you're doing, when you do a new course and you're sitting in the room and you feel like everyone else is far more educated than you or has far more experience and you're feeling like a, a fraud sitting there. A lot of this comes from, from, as I say, our childhood experiences. What we need to do here is see the reality of now. 
Like realistically, if you're not rushing around and running around and trying to get absolutely everything done constantly, uh, what will happen? Will the sky fall down? How much of the priorities on your list are real priorities? Or are they things creating to stay ahead of your own emotions? Great ways of, of working with this are, again, through learning to slow your body down. Our body is where we feel our emotions. As I've mentioned, our brain has absolutely no pain receptors whatsoever. We feel all our emotions were in our body through this different sensations we, we feel. And we can often become afraid of them if we've been shamed or in fearful places when we were children. So learning to slow down and get back into your own body, feel your own body's experiences, presencing again with the likes of meditation, yoga. These day-to-day -day practices are hugely helpful helpful for, for working with this uh, particular one, the, the rushing around, run, running around fast, because what it does lead to is a massive amount of burnout, emotional, emotional, physical and mental exhaustion. And then we can become depressed because if we're getting our value in everything we do, when we're burnt out, we don't, we haven't the capabilities to do these things. And this can make, make us feel very, very low. And we can get caught in a cycle of that. The only time it's okay for you to stop is when you're sick. So subconsciously, we can start driving that just to get a break from run our system as fast as we are. So getting into the likes of our meditations, our yogas, feeling back into our body, even dancing, all of these raise the issues in the tissues and are powerful for working with the, the need to do, the need to run around. Another thing that can show up um, in our day-to-day -day lives is being tired. Feeling tired can be a huge trigger. I know for a long, long time, I, I had, I hated when I felt tired or exhausted, really, really hated it. And for me, it's because it was a reminder of depression. When I felt tired and exhausted, that might mean I'd have to go to bed during the day. And for me, this was something that just wasn't allowed because I had huge fears around it. I thought going to bed during the day or sitting in your dressing gown or things like that meant you were getting depressed. And when you feel tired or or exhausted, your system is depleted, your system is more vulnerable, you are feeling slightly more down because your body is tired. So this can trigger unwanted emotions or feelings within our system. So we just do not like to be tired. Another reason this can show up is if when we are younger, that bed was not a, a safe space to be, um, tiredness just wasn't allowed. If it could be even, you know, if when you went to bed, that's when all the arguments started. That's when you had to lay there and listen. You couldn't leave your bed because you were told to go to bed and you could hear a huge amount of things kicking off downstairs and you couldn't leave the space you were in. That can also trigger you now when you're feeling tired. It's just safe, isn't it? Our bed isn't a safe space for you to be. So there's a number of different reasons that these show up and it's hugely beneficial to you to look back when you see a pattern. If you hear me talking and you see a pattern showing up in your own life, look back at when you were younger, what was going on, what potentially are the triggers, because you are the expert in your own life. You know what what's causing these. You have it all stored subconsciously. We're just not consciously aware of it. And believe me, 
when you ask the questions, your mind will answer. You won't always see it straight away, but it serves you. It gives you the answers. Another one that we might all know is the chameleon. And again, I think, you know, we're a little, we, we all have a level of people pleasing. It depends on how much of a coping or protective mechanism it is in our life where, you know, um, and you'll see this in many different ways. It's not having the ability to say no, always trying to please, relentlessly doing. Or it can also be where you, you keep your groups very, very separate. You don't mix different parts of your life. You keep your work groups in one area. You keep your your friends in another area. You keep your family in another area. And you do not mix your groups at all. And a lot of why this happens is because you're showing up differently to each different group. And you have a fear around all of these groups meeting and people deeply knowing all of you or who you really are. Because at points in your life, it was not okay for you to be all of you and show up as who you really are. It can come from having to hide in in your childhood when you were very, very young, having to hide parts of your things, your, your shadow self, hiding, wanting, uh, maybe, you know, it can be different reasons like scarcity, not wanting to be seen or people to know how hard up the family was, not wanting to people to know where you lived, um, how well educated you were, many, many different reasons. And we all know in our own lives, but it's if you notice in your adult life that you're keeping all your groups separate, it is a bit of that chameleon accent going on. And another place it can come from is, um, is in a home that's fill, filled with shame or having to take sides feeling like you have to be on one side of the fence or the other. And this can happen hugely. At the, I suppose the biggest place that happens is if there's a split or a very bad relationship with the parents, even at points over the years where the child had to take sides. They had to learn to keep separate parts of their lives separate to avoid conflict, to avoid hurt, to avoid shame, all of these emotions. So it's a learned behaviour that's shown up in our adult lives and we can often be left wondering but it makes us hugely uncomfortable to, to merge our groups to have all our different people meeting so again it's working with the reality of that now if that's showing up in your life and you are keeping your group separate what's the fear as i say it, the, the biggest reason it happens is because you had to take uh sides as child you learn to keep your group separate so it's looking at that and allowing your groups to meet let your people meet people see we're, we're extremely intelligent beings very very intuitive believe me people already know who you are you keeping your group separate is only making your own life a bit more stressful and a bit more complex it's really not having an impact on those groups now for the next one and I know I used to um, I used to crack jokes about this. You know, I used to say a lot, you know, I laugh in the face of pain. And I suppose in a lot of ways I did. And I would have told you it was courage or bravery or wherever else. But often we learn to laugh in, in the face of pain because we think nobody cares or we were treated with sarcasm or like we were interrupting or our pain just just wasn't valid when when we were children so we learn we learn to 
basically laugh at our own pain, make a joke about it. You'll see that when people are, you know, telling you a story about something horrendous that's happened to them or is happening within their lives now. And they're laughing and making jokes or behaving like it's nothing. All the while you're standing there feeling very shocked and asking, are they okay? And they're there laughing it off and going, yeah, I'm fine. Not a bother to me. Yeah, no, no, I'll manage, I'll manage. And you can hear the high pitch in their voice. And usually we have a high pitch when when we're telling lies, uh, when it's not true, when we don't want to talk about it, we get quite high pitched because we're getting uncomfortable. That one predominantly comes from neglect. When we were in pain, you were told to soldier on, shut up. As they say, it was treated with sarcasm when our, our pain and our hurts were neglected and be that physically or emotionally, um, our pain wasn't validated. And this can show up in our adult life as our as us laughing constantly when really, really bad things happen to us. Like, do you know what I mean? Now, I sometimes laugh, even in this in this podcast, I'll sometimes laugh when I'm talking about things. But I that is far more because. I see myself in some of the things, a lot of the things I do be talking about sometimes and I've nearly learned, I suppose it's more not to take myself as serious as I used to. I used to be so far more, I don't know whether you'd say tight-lipped or regimental or, 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 or limited. I, I would have been far harder on myself and far more serious about um, how I took things. Now I've learned just to laugh at myself sometimes and laugh at myself a lot more when I see things come up that that show me me. I literally look, laugh and go, yep, that's you. There's you again. There's you again. Because there's there's elements of a lot of the things I talk about, both in myself and in, in all the audience there that I'm talking to. The next one that comes up, um, and I think we all know one of these, and I think this one, this one bugs me a little with society uh, because I feel we're very much trained not to really show our uh, emotions in public, not to cry. It's not okay to cry. And this one is the tearjerker. It's when, this one's the opposite. This one is when you never, ever, ever cry. And often wonder do you feel anything at all have you any feelings why do you not get upset over things other people get upset over why are you not bawling your eyeballs out watching that movie or hearing that story or seeing that happen to whoever it is that child that wherever else when you hear those harrowing stories and what we've learned there is again to dissociate at a point in our lives sometimes something so profound happens that the safety mechanism and the protective mechanism for our survival is to completely disassociate from that emotion, from that deep, deep sadness. And the pattern we learn from that is when something really, really painful is happening, we completely disassociate. We're up in our heads. We are not feeling that at all. And again, it's a, it's a protective mechanism, but it means we're disconnected from ourselves. We're disconnected from our feelings. We're disconnected from our understanding. And we often feel quite removed from people from situations and and things like that and again the key there is is allowing ourselves in a safe space to feel our emotions it's often sadness and that it's okay now and the reality of today and how we are living out of those environments that it is okay to feel uh, your emotions to feel your sadness to allow them uh, emotions to come up the next one now is the you know the opposite of that and that is 
I, I can't even tell you. I don't even want to call this one the crier, but, but someone who cries a lot, I suppose is the best way of saying that. If you basically, if you, if you cry at the do- drop of a hat, when you go to tell the story and the tears are just flooding out, you're not even getting that story out or you feel yourself to be quite a crier. Uh, you're watching an ad on telly and you're bawling your eyeballs out. Um, I'm wondering why um, that, that you're, you're as emotional as you are. And a lot of the time, this one shows up um, as, well, what it is, is unprocessed grief, where there is a part of the grieving process that just never walk through your system that never processed and it's reconnecting you constantly back to your sadness all our emotions need to be felt our emotions are energy emotion they don't want to stay with us but it's only when we're repressing those feelings because we're afraid like i remember in the past often being afraid to cry because you'd feel that from the pit of your stomach uh that wave of emotion coming up and you get that fear of you know if I start, I won't stop. And that a lot of the time, it's the fear of that that can stop us crying, stop us relieving, uh, relieving and releasing that emotion. So if for you, it's um, you find that you are very emotional, that you're crying a lot, it's generally um, unprocessed grief. So it's looking at the points in your life where you again you ask your mind your mind will give you the answers it's there and releasing that in a safe space even if it's right if it's writing a letter lighting a candle giving yourself some closure just letting that that come up reconnecting with the songs that remind you of that time that place all of that allows you in a safe space to start releasing out and letting go of some of that emotion and the the last one that we're going to look at today guys is um emotional hijacking when you find yourself being emotionally hijacked when you find yourself going from zero to a hundred and you're actually almost scared of your own rage, your own reaction. You know it's a it's possibly a small thing, but you're you can feel the rage coming up in your system. This is when you've been triggered by something else. And to your system, what happened in the past is happening now. It's re-reacting to, to unprocessed trauma. And again, it can show up as rage because for all of us, I think in some way, shape or form, rage was not appropriate. Rage was not okay. Tantrums were not okay. No, I I know that, but I know they're not, but that is children expressing their emotions. It's getting their anger out in a healthy way. It's grand to teach children, you know, don't do tantrums, but do teach, teach them the healthy ways of releasing their emotion. What's behind the anger? What's going on? Why are you upset? It's these things because if we're not doing this when we're children and this isn't uh, taught to us, it's still coming out in the same way as adults as it did when we were children. And what we need to learn is how to reparent ourselves. So this is what we're going to be looking at for the next few podcasts, how to self-regulate, how to heal and how to reparent ourselves. Um, So I hope you enjoyed this week's one. And again, If there's anything that shows up for you that uh, you want more details on, do give me a shout. So that's it for me for this week, guys. I hope you've really enjoyed it and got some fabulous takeaways. And as always, I invite you to connect in with me across social media or 
check me out on my website www.yourgifttoyou.com or email me linda at yourgifttoyou.com guys because i'd love to hear from you and any topics you'd like for us to talk about or any more learnings that you want and please remember give me those reviews because it keeps the podcast getting out there to more people so chat to you very soon guys bye bye